Well, welcome. We're so glad you guys are here today. And uh, let me ask you a question, get this started off with. Have you ever, you ever felt that struggle within, between what you want and, and what, you, what you do, right? Ever wrestled with that? Ever been tempted by anything? Maybe to, to take a shortcut somewhere or maybe to, to tell that little lie, right? That'll get you out of something or, or tell that little lie that will help avoid some kind of a, of a conflict. Ever not do what you know you should do, right? You skip going to the gym a few times. You, you, you don't eat broccoli when you should. You eat ice cream instead. Or you don't do your homework as soon as it's assigned to you and you, you promised this semester was gonna be different, right? You, you just kind of get in that place. I, I know, I know you're very self-controlled people, so it's probably just my problem. I'm probably the only one that, that struggles with this. But Galatians 5:16 says this. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. You see, the Bible teaches us that there's a, a different way for us to respond when we face those kind of temptations, right? When those things happen in our lives, there's a, a revolutionary approach. There's, approach. there's an, an antidote for this me first generation, right? For this, this, this instant gratification society, drive through next day delivery culture that we live in. And for the past several weeks, we've been talking about this series and we've been taking a look at character traits that God is developing in our lives through a relationship with Jesus Christ. And we've been using this, this passage, these theme verses from Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. You, you may have them memorized by this point because you've heard them so many times and, and they're good. They're, these are good verses for you to memorize. One more time, let's hit them. It says this in verse 22, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives or these character traits. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things, right? We've talked about that. There's no law against these things. God's never going to come down to you and go, whoa, 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 you loved people way too much, right? Yeah, back off on the love or, or way too much joy in your life. Dial that back a, a little bit, right? Uh, too much self-control, right? Uh, too much of that. No, there's no law against these things. We can have as much of these as God wants to develop in us. He wants to develop them. He wants us to own these character traits so that we can be more like Jesus. But here's a question for us. What happens when temptation wins in our lives? I wrote down a few things because I, I, I think there's kind of some progressive steps that, that happen when temptation wins. First is this, is it robs us of our confidence, right? It robs us of our confidence. Every time temptation wins, every time we give in, right? We don't say no when we should say no, or we say yes. And right, well, every time that we give into that, it, it robs us of our confidence because the next time that temptation comes back around, we feel a little bit weaker, right? You're like, I've failed 568 times already. I don't think I'm gonna be able to say no this time. Right? And so our confidence gets weakened every single time, which leads to bigger sins or bigger consequences in our lives. We know this, right? There's so many different examples and so many ways that we could do this. But when, when life gets tough, when, when things go south in our lives, right? When, when the stress ramps up, when the temptation is there, and we feel like we've got to escape or we've got to figure out a way to cope with it, whether it's drugs or alcohol or food or shopping or exercise or all kinds of different ways in which we cope. But what we soon discover is that what was a little bit at the beginning helped us kind of get through it. Now it needs to be more and more and more, right? It's stronger and, and harder things, right? It's going to cost us more. We have to be more involved with those things. What happens then is, is it, brings, it brings death to relationships. You see, every time we have a secret in our lives, those secrets, those things that we're keeping from everybody else because we failed again, those temptations turn into these secrets and they kill relationships. Because every time we try and we fail, it erodes trust in those relationships, doesn't it? 
What happens next is that you begin to feel like a hypocrite. Maybe even some of us today, when you walked in, one of our amazing ushers or greeters said, hey, good morning, how you doing today? And, and you were like, good. But on the inside, you know you're carrying around a bunch of stuff, right? You know you've got these secrets. You know that you're not good. You know that there's stuff, that's, there's this baggage, there's this, there's this junk, right? But we kind of hide it on the outside. And so you feel like a hypocrite, which leads us to, to losing some of the power that we feel we have to share Jesus with other people. Well, if my relationship with Jesus isn't perfect, if I can't figure this out, what right do I have to tell somebody else about Jesus, that they need Jesus, that Jesus is going to fix everything, but he hasn't fixed me yet, right? And we get into this place, and then it leads eventually to a, a hard heart because we feel like we're never going to win in this, right? I'm never going to have freedom from this. I'm never going to be able to say no. And what happens is our identity begins to be formed or shaped, or we allow it to be through those things. This is just who I am. This is just how I'm going to spend the rest of my life. You see, there's three truths about temptation that I want us to, to just hit for just a second, because these are true for all of us. The first is this, temptation hits everyone right? Every single one of us faces temptation. Now, I know that sounds incredibly obvious, that, but, but when we face temptation, the problem is, is that we try to face it alone, don't we? we? We feel like we're isolated. We feel like I'm the only one that could possibly be going through this, right? It seems like everybody else has the, the, the strength or the power to say, no, I'm the only one that seems to be, to be failing with this. And so what happens is that we don't share with others. We don't ask for help. We don't involve other people in our lives. And so we start keeping secrets, don't we? But, but the reality is, is that we all face temptation. Every single one of us does. The objects are different. The, the levels of temptation for different things are different, but every single one of us faces temptation in different ways for different things. Here's the second truth about temptation. Temptation is tempting, right? It's, it's tempting. And you're like, wow, Donna, you dug deep on that one. That's a, that's a strong point. But it is, isn't it? If it wasn't tempting, it wouldn't be a, a temptation. But here's the truth. You need to know this. Temptation itself isn't a sin. See, I think sometimes for some of us, we feel like the temptation itself, man, I'm always being tempted. I'm such a, a failure, right? Why am I always being tempted by this? I, why do I face, I, I'm such, I, I must be sinning, right? I, I'm failing all the time. And, and it's important for us to know temptation itself isn't a sin. You're not guilty simply for being tempted by something. And this is so important because when we recognize this, we can take away some of the power of temptation. Everybody is tempted, right? Temptation is tempting, right? Yeah, that's okay. But it's not a sin in and of itself. You haven't done anything wrong simply by being tempted by something. And that can help remove some of that power from it. Here's the third truth. Temptation has consequences. It has consequences, especially when we give in, doesn't it? Right? When, when you give in, there's always consequences that are attached to those, those temptations. Now, you may have done it in secret, you may have cleared the history afterwards. You may have paid in cash. You may have kept it hidden from all kinds of people around you. But the truth is, is it, it'll come out. It always does, right? And what happens is even if you've kept it secret for, for months or, or years, is that it begins to change things. It begins to change you and not in a good way, right? But temptation has that win. Now, what happens in our life when, when temptation wins? I, I think we can boil it down to two things. The, the first is this, is it inflates our problems, right? Our problems get bigger because the consequences of, of our sin gets bigger, right? It starts to break down relationships and the guilt and the insecurities and all of those things come in. And, and so it, it inflates our problems. And the second thing that it does is it deflates our confidence. I'm never going to be able to say no. 
I'm never going to be able to get past this. I'm never going to be different. This is just who I am. And so today we're, we're finishing up our, our Level Up series, and, and we're going to take a look at the, the last two character traits of Jesus that God wants to develop in our lives, gentleness and self-control. What if today I could give you a guaranteed way that you could win in any and every temptation that you face? Because I think with these two character traits of Jesus, with these two fruit of the Spirit, right, it's absolutely possible. Let's, uh, if you've got your Bible, I'd love for you to turn with me to uh, Romans chapter 6. Romans 6, if you don't have your Bible, that's okay. You can follow along on the side screen. We're going to read um, just these few verses, and then we're going to unpack them um, this morning. Let me just give them to you. Beginning at verse 9, Romans 6 says this, For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. For sin shall no longer be your master, because you are not under the law, but under grace. See, we're going to discover three truths um, from this short passage this morning. And then I'm going to give you three key words at the end. And I believe if you own these, right, if you can begin to apply these in your life, that you can say no to any and every temptation, you're going to have victory all the time by allowing gentleness and self-control to be two major, major players in the character traits that God develops in your life. Well, let's take a look at, at the very first one. The very first one is this, is you can say no to temptation. You can absolutely say no to temptation, all right? Romans 6, the first three verses that we looked at say this, for we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. You see, when Jesus died and he rose again, what it, what it says in this passage is that he conquered the power of sin. But not just the power of sin, Jesus conquered sin itself. And not only sin itself, but Jesus conquered death in this. He, he simply didn't just die, right? But, but he died to the power of sin. And that is very, very important for us to know and understand today. You see, temptation leads to sin. And the Bible promises and tells us that the sin always leads to death. But Jesus lived perfectly. Remember last week, we, we talked about faithfulness and God's incredible faithfulness to us and how we are supposed to respond in faithfulness back to God. Well, Jesus was faithful. He was the, the perfect and ultimate sacrifice for us. See, he took all of our sin upon himself and he broke sin and death. Not just for him, but for all of us. I love how the author of the message explains this verse in Romans um, 6, 9, 10 says this, never again Will death have the last word? When Jesus died, he took sin down with him, but alive he brings God down to us. Isn't that awesome? Right? Sin is not my master. Sin doesn't have the last word in my life anymore. When Jesus died, it says that he took down sin. And when he rose back to life, he brought God down 
to us. And so now we can have a renewed relationship. We can have a restored relationship. We can have a forgiven relationship with God through Jesus because of what he did for us. That's what we're going to celebrate this coming weekend at, at Easter. Right? It is so exciting. I, I was texting with Mike yesterday. He's uh, leading a, a group of people from Hope. Um, they're finishing up a, a tour of the Holy Land, and they're in Jerusalem. He is so fired up to be here next weekend and, and to share the things that he has experienced and, and, and seen, right? the ways in which God is speaking to him. You don't want to miss Easter weekend. right? You don't want to miss it next weekend, and you need to invite people to come with it. right? It's, it's going to be absolutely incredible because we're going to celebrate who Jesus is and what Jesus did in our lives. Right, that through his death, when he died, he took down sin. But when he rose again, he brought God down to us, that we could have a relationship with him. Verse 11 says, in the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Now, this word count, right, it's actually, it's, a, it's an accounting term. It's a, a mathematical term. Can I get a, a whoop whoop from all my accountants out there? Okay, <laughs> both of you. I know, I know, you're, you're, you're saving all your excitement for the office, right? You're like, I gotta, I gotta save my strength. It's tax season. This is like the real March madness, right? I, I totally get it, I, I get it, that's fine. Um, but here's what count means. It literally, it means this. It means to consider or to accept or to believe. See, when Christ died for your sin and when you accepted his payment for you in a relationship with Jesus, sin became powerless in your life too. But the first thing you have to do is you have to believe it, right? You have to count that, right? You, you have to, to count yourselves dead to sin. We're dead to sin. It's, it's not our master anymore. Sin has no control over us and, and no control over our lives. You see, it doesn't matter how you have lived in the past. It doesn't matter what you've done before. It doesn't even matter what you did walking into this weekend. If you put your trust in Jesus Christ and through that relationship, through that faith, this is true for us if we choose to believe it. You can say no to sin. And in fact, you can say no to temptation before sin even happens in your life. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says this, no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Right? Easy? No. No. All right? Facing temptation is still hard. It's, it's never going to be easy. No one's promising it's going to be easy. In fact, it says right here that when you are tempted, you will be tempted. But is it absolutely possible to say no? Absolutely. Right? We can say no to temptation because sin is not my master anymore. But I have to believe that. I have to believe that I have a say when I face temptation. And I have to believe that it doesn't have a say anymore in my life. So and traffic is bad, right? You can say no to the temptation to do whatever it is that you want to do when traffic is bad, right? When you go to the mall and the, the lines are crazy, sin isn't your master anymore. When your family comes over for Easter this weekend and, and it's your family together at Easter, right? You can say, sin doesn't control me. Right? I don't have to give in to the temptations that I want to give in to. When that thing that has controlled you for so long, when it rises up this week, whether it's, it's lust or, or jealousy or anger, whatever it is, when it rises up in your life, before you act on it, believe that you can say no to sin. It's not in control. In fact, you may even want to repeat that to yourself. When you face temptation, 
Sin isn't in control of me anymore. I can say no to temptation. Here's the second thing. Self-control then helps us resist, right? Self-control is the thing that then helps us resist that temptation. I can say no to it, but I also then have to have the self-control to resist it. You see, when you face temptation, when you believe that you can say no to it, then self-control is the strength, it's the power, right, that allows us to resist every temptation that comes into our life. Look what it says in, in Romans 6, 12 and 13. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. See, I love Paul, right? Because I love how strong and how clear Paul is, right? He says very clearly, do not let sin reign in your body, right? You're, you're never left wondering with Paul. Like, Paul, can I, can I sometimes? Nope. What, what if I just had a bad day, Paul? Uh-uh, right? Well, Paul, I'm, I'm just really tired, right? It's been a long week at work, and, and I'm just exhausted. A little temptation, a little sin. He's like, no, don't do it. Sin has no mastery. It has no power. It has no control over you anymore. So don't let it, because you have a choice. The author of the message wrote it this way, wrote, wrote Romans 6, 12 says that means you must not give sin a vote in the way that you conduct your lives. I love that. Sin has no rights, right? Sin has no control. Sin has no say. Sin has no vote. Now, we know that the, the primaries are going on right now, right? And we've got a, a major election that's, that's happening in, in the fall. And um, hopefully most of you, hopefully all of you, many of you went and, and voted this past week and you're gonna vote again in, in the fall. And it's, it's very important for, for the direction of, of our country. But hopefully when you went to the poll box this past week, right? You, you didn't just kind of get there and go, eeny, meeny, miny, mo, right? And just kind of guess from there. Hopefully you didn't take like a, a pencil and just kind of like close your eyes and wherever it falls or your finger, right? That's, that's who I'm voting for or, or, or choose to, to just vote for someone based on how fun their name is, like, like an elf, like Francisco, that's fun to say, right? Like, hopefully that's not how we choose, right, who we're, who we're voting for. Now, as a Canadian, I can't vote, all right? So I just want to be very clear on that. I'm not responsible for whatever the outcomes are. I can't vote, right? So it wasn't me. Now, but I have to live with whatever you guys decide. So I need you to choose wisely in this. But here's the deal, right? My mom told me that if things go south down here, she can hold about seven of us in her place back in Canada. But we got to get there quick because there's a rumor about some kind of wall being built or something. I, I don't know. I don't know what any of that means, but, but there's just rumors, right? So let me, let me say it like this. Sin, sin should be like a Canadian, Wait, wait a minute, that's not right, that's not right. Oh, sin should be like a Canadian living in the U.S. That's what I, that's what I meant to say, right? That it doesn't, it doesn't get a vote. Sin doesn't have a say in our lives. The answer is always, always no. And so don't give it an option, right? Which means stay out of the bar if that's a temptation point for you. It means disconnect your computer, or, or get the software so that you can't go on those sites, or, or have a friend come over and, and set the password for things so that you don't even have possible access. You can't even end around it. You can't even figure out a, a different way. If there's a, a, a thing, if there's something on, on your way home, this, this place, this store, or restaurant, or whatever it is, and, and it's a temptation to you on your way home from work every day, go a different way. You're like, well, Tony, it's, it's going to take me longer. That's all right but it's gonna cost me more in gas. It's absolutely 
worth it. Get an accountability partner. It's why we talk all the time about why it's so important to be in a small group, to be connected with a group of people that you're doing life with together, that are going to hold you accountable, that are going to support you, that you can share the struggles and the temptations and the things that you're dealing with in your life so that you're not dealing with it by yourself. Because when we keep it secret, when we keep it in, when we try to say no by ourselves, we always fail. I always fail when I keep it a secret. Change your job if you need to change your job, right? And, and I know that's, that's extreme, right? But, but if, if there's something there that's tempting you, it's not worth it. Make the change. Get counseling together. If you don't need to buy another fill-in-the-blank, then cut up your credit card, right? Do whatever it takes. This is literally self-control. In the Greek, it, it literally means this. Control yourself, right? That's literally what it, that's what it means. It just means you gotta, you gotta control yourself. It literally means inner strength. It refers to the inner strength of, of character that enables you to control your passions and your desires and your appetites. Proverbs 4.23, I love this verse. It says this, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. You see, the heart, especially in the Old Testament, right, it generally means that your entire conscious person, right? It's more than just an, an organ that kind of pumps blood. It's a big deal. It, it refers to, to our understanding. It refers to our, our emotions. It refers to our, our conscience, our will, where we make decisions. You see, all actions come from our heart and from our mind, right? It's, a, it's that piece you see here. It says guard it, protect it. Why? Because everything you do starts right here. This will always determine what your actions are. And so we need to guard and protect our hearts. We need to guard and protect our minds because our thought life is, is where those actions begin. And, and it's where temptation comes in. It's where sinful desires put down their roots and cause us to sin. I love, love, love this verse. Romans 4, 8 says this. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, Whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, then think about such things. Right? Don't let those other thoughts come into your mind. Don't dwell on those things. Don't think about things that don't fit into this filter, into this list of things. But if it's true and noble, if it's right and pure and lovely, if it's admirable, if it's excellent, if it's praiseworthy, then go ahead and think about those things all the time. Fill your mind with those you see, self-control is absolutely possible when we allow God to develop that character trait within us and when we learn how to then control and guard our hearts and our minds from the things that tempt us. You see, temptation is when we want a good thing, but we want it in a bad way. Romans 6.13, the, the message version of, of the passage we're looking at says this, don't give it the time of day. Don't even run little errands that are connected with that old way of life. Let me give you a, a, a visual image um, as to why it's so important that we learn how to control ourselves. Um, Paul says that sin only reigns over you when we choose to let it, right? And so in the first century, there was a, a Roman poet, his name was Virgil, and um, he wrote a poem about um, a Roman torture technique. Very, very fun guy, I'm sure. Um, you see, the Romans were known for their creative ways of, of torturing and executing people. They found it fun to create ways of, uh, to cause pain. And so this is, this is very, very graphic, but the point of this is, is very powerful. This guy Virgil describes in, in his poem a form of torture in which they would Fasten a corpse to a victim or to a, a convict. So picture that in your mind. Tying you shoulder to shoulder, 
face to face, thigh to thigh, arm to arm. Imagine this. Every breath you take, every movement, right, as you're attached. There's no escape from it. You see, even the, the sight and, and the smell, what it would happen is, is it would cause you to, to lose your appetite. You would stop eating, but before you starve, usually you, you literally would lose the will to live. And the longer it took for that to happen, the worse it would get. I'm not trying to be overly graphic, right? But it's such a powerful, powerful illustration. In fact, Paul talks about this. Most scholars believe in the very next chapter in Romans 7, 24, it says this, what a wretched man I am, who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death, right? Imagine that. Now, let me ask you a question. Would you ever willingly subject yourself to that? Would you ever willingly put yourself in, in that position? Would you volunteer for that? Right? The answer is obvious. It's, it's of course not, Donnie. I would never volunteer. It's disgusting, right? I, I would never put myself in that situation. But we do it all the time, don't we? See, the reality is, is, that, is that we can't smell the disgusting smell of decay and death Right? We, we, don't, we don't see our sin in a way. It doesn't cause us to stop eating and to, to lose the will to live. But we willingly attach ourselves to a, a dead corpse every single time we go back to those same sins over and over and over and over again in our lives. And we drag it around with us. And it affects every single thing that you do. See, what Paul is saying is that you can say no. You can have the self-control that you need to walk away, to live freely from those things, to say no to temptation and the control to say, I am not gonna put myself back in that place and let it control me. God wants you to have self-control. Here's the great news. You don't have to do this on your own. You don't have to muster up the strength by yourself. It's not about your self-control being stronger than everybody else's. This is God developing and making this happen in our lives. He provides it for us to use, but here's the catch. You have to use it. I have to use it. It's like developing a muscle or a skill or a habit. You've got to continue to practice over and over and over again so that it becomes stronger and, become, and you become better at it. So this week, Tomorrow, this afternoon, whatever, before you go and click on that website, before you take that drink or, or that drag, before you lose your temper, before you take a second look at him or her and then allow your mind to go to that, that place where you begin thinking, picture yourself picking up the handcuffs attached to a corpse and willingly attaching it to yourself. Such a powerful, powerful truth. We can't do this on our own. But we don't have to. It's God's spirit living inside of us that, that can give us the strength that we need, the inner strength to control ourselves, to control our desires and our passions and our appetites, to say no to temptation and then control the way we live. Here's the third thing. The third thing is this. Gentleness is our response. Gentleness then becomes how we respond. Romans 6, 13 and 14 says this. Offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. For sin shall no longer be your master because you are not under the law, but under grace. You see, here's where gentleness comes into to play, right? It's our response. It's, it's our action. It's how we live out our self-control. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. You're like, Donnie, hold on, hold on, hold on, right? Uh, I get the love thing, right? I'm fine with that. And joy, I would love to have a more joy in, in my life. Peace, man, I, my life is stressful. I would love more peace. I'm fine with the kindness thing. And right, I'm good with most of these things, but, 
but gentleness, right? Are you telling me that I'm supposed to be gentle at work? I won't last a week there, right? Are you telling me that I'm supposed to, when I play softball with the guys, I'm supposed to play gently, right? I mean, they'll, they'll kill me out there if I, if I try that, right? Our, our culture, our life, our society, it doesn't allow us to, to be gentle. We kind of feel like Norm from that old TV show, Cheers, right? It's a, it's a dog-eat-dog world out there, and I'm wearing pork chop underwear, right? You're just like, this, this isn't going to work out well, this gentleness thing. But the Bible tells us that as followers of Jesus, we are called to be gentle, See, part of the problem, though, is is that we don't understand what the word gentle means. When we think of gentle, we think weak. We think soft. We think doormat. We think we just allow people to walk all over us. But that's absolutely not what the the word means. In fact, in Greek, our our version of, of, of gentle, what gentle means in the Greek is this. It means strength under control strength under control. The image is, is a, a wild stallion that has been tamed, right? You still have this, this very powerful animal, but it's now strength under control. In other words, as gentle people, we're able to respond to any situation, to every circumstance, to every relationship that we have, right? And with control, with strength under control, that we're not gonna overreact and, and say things that we're gonna regret later, Right? We're not going to go around damaging and, and destroying the relationships that we're in. It, it's strength, it's passion, but it's strength under control. It's passion under control. The message version says this, Romans 6.13, throw yourselves wholeheartedly and full-time, remember you've been raised from the dead, into God's way of doing things. Sin can't tell you how to live. Throw yourselves wholeheartedly, full-time into God's way of doing things. We, we've got these character traits or characteristics, these marks of, of what we believe as a church are, will help you understand what it means to be a follower of Jesus from the Bible. You'll see the words all around our campus, right? And two of them, one, one of these words, it, it says out there, it says, live obediently. And this is what this is talking about. Live obediently by knowing Jesus, by knowing his word and by remaining in connection with him. In fact, here's what, here's what it says. Here's what Jesus says about himself in, in Matthew eleven twenty nine. 29. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. You see, this is God's way of dealing with things. A yoke was a a wooden frame and they would use it to attach or to join two animals together. So they were pulling together. They were working together. The two became one. And this is what Jesus is telling us to do. He says, I want you to connect with me. I want you to be in partnership with me. I want you to learn from me because I, this is Jesus saying, I am gentle. But Jesus wasn't weak, was he? He wasn't a doormat to anyone. Gentle, Jesus was incredibly strong, but it was strength under control. When, when Jesus saw that they, were, that they were destroying the temple, right, then they were ripping people off and, and they were making a mockery of what, what God wanted the temple to be. Jesus got so angry that he started tossing tables and turning things upside down. He went and touched and healed lepers, the untouchables, the people that no one else would go, not even family members would go near these people. They made them camp all by themselves. Jesus is hanging out with them and he's touching them and healing them. Right? Jesus is the one that, that, that spent time with, with the undesirables, the tax collectors, the sinners, the people that everybody turned their noses up to and said, I'm not going anywhere near that guy. That's who Jesus had dinner with. He took criticism for everything that he did and he loved you and me so much that he endured torture all the way to the point of the cross. Jesus was not weak. He was incredibly strong. 
It's ultimate strength under God's control. I love the result of this. Jesus says, be partners with me, right? Partner with me in this. Work for me. Learn from me. Be gentle like I am. And the result of that gentleness is rest. Man, I want that. I want that in my life. I, I think I, I want that for the people that I interact with, right? When, when, when I leave a conversation with someone, I don't want them to ever feel drained. I don't want them to, to be hurting still. I, I don't want them to be frustrated, right? When, when they leave a conversation with me, I, I hope that they feel rested. I hope that they feel peaceful. I hope they feel ready to go and, and face the challenges that are in front of them. But that means I've got to be connected to Jesus. I've got to be living this strength under control. Here's what a gentle response looks like. Titus 3 verse 1 says this. Remind the people to be subject to the rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready to do whatever is good, to slander no one, to be peaceable and considerate, and always to be gentle toward everyone. You see, it's displayed through my actions. But it also says this in Proverbs 15.1, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. You see, gentleness is also displayed through my words. I can say no to temptation because of what Jesus has done for me. I can resist temptation. I can resist those urges. I can resist the desires and passions. I can say no to those things because I can have self-control through the spirit that's developing that in me. And then finally, I can respond in gentleness. I can show strength under control. Let me give you three words to help you just kind of memorize this. And in any temptation, in anything you face this week, you can win if you put these three things into practice. Here's the first one. It's, it's believe. You simply believe that I can say no to temptation, that it doesn't have a say in my life anymore, that I don't have to give into it. Sin is not in control of me. And maybe it's something like this, just a simple prayer every day, like, God, th thank you so much for defeating sin and, and for, for making me new and for giving me the choice to say no, right? It's a simple thing, but I have to believe that I can say no to temptation. Then I behave, right? I, I behave in a way that I allow the control, the self-control that God is developing in me to take place. It's inner strength, right? That I can control my passions and my desires and my appetites. I can walk away from, from those temptations. That I, I turn off the TV, I turn off the wireless, I ask for help, I allow people to come in and support and encourage me. I believe I can say no. I behave, right, with inner strength. I behave in a way that shows my self-control. And then I become like Jesus in my response. I show strength under control in my words and in my actions, in everything that I do. And I live in a way that, that glorifies God and, and shows the people around me that I love them. When you face temptation, believe that you can say no to it. Resist it by allowing and, and using the self-control that God is developing in you. And then you respond to become like Jesus and live with strength under control. Maybe this week you're, as a mom, right? Maybe it's with one of your kids, right? And before you yell because their room wasn't cleaned again, before you snap because you went online and, and you saw what their grades are in English class, before, before you know, right, if she rolls her eyes at me one more time, my head is gonna spin and things are gonna go down, right? Before that happens, Say, I believe I can say no to temptation, right? I can behave in a way that is self-controlled and then I'm gonna become like Jesus. It's not that you don't respond, but you respond with strength under control. When you're at work this week or you're at school and you're tempted to compromise, you're tempted to, to fudge on that invoice or, or, or the quality of work that you wanna do, remember that you can say no. Believe that I can say no to temptation. 
So I can behave in a way where my beliefs determine how I behave. I'm going to behave with self-control. And, and, and then how I behave is going to determine who I become. I'm going to show strength under control. We know that sexual purity is so important for us. And, and when that temptation hits this week, before I click on that website, before I entertain that thought, before I, I try to recall that image to my mind, I'm going to believe I can say no so that I can behave with self-control so that I can become like Jesus and live with gentleness and strength under control. That's what God wants to do in our lives. 2 Timothy 1.7, last verse, close this series out, says, for the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. The word here for, for spirit is the same as the one from, Genesis, or from Galatians 5 that we've been talking about. The, the word for love, same word from Galatians 5, the very first characteristic or fruit that we looked at. The, the word for self-discipline, the exact same as Galatians 5. Self-control, the very last one in that list. So what this passage is saying is that God didn't make us to be weak. He didn't make us to be insecure. He didn't make us to be afraid. We don't need to live that way. We have the power that we need to display love, joy, peace, and patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control in our lives. God wants to develop these things. We just simply need to put them into practice. And imagine what that looks like in your life as an individual and our life together as a church if we begin to live that way. Do you think people would notice? Do you think they would see something different about us? So that's how we're going to reach a triangle. That's how we change the world, by becoming like Jesus and allowing him to do in our lives what he wants to do and partnering with him and putting it into practice in everything that we do. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for your incredible love for us. God, that you didn't stop loving us. You didn't just create us and, and say, hey, go figure this thing out on your own. God, you're not just fire insurance for us. It's not just a, a, an insurance policy that we know at the end time, hey, I put my faith in Jesus, and so when I die, I know I'm going to heaven, and, and, and the rest is just I got to figure it out on my own. Jesus, God, that's not, that's not what you do in our lives. God, you are actively involved in our lives every single day, every single moment, developing through your spirit inside of us through a relationship with Jesus, this, these character traits, this fruit. God, will you help us to be your people that live these out in our lives every single day? Because God, it's only gonna improve our lives. It's only gonna improve our relationships. It's only gonna improve our, our, our jobs and school and the situations that we're in. And then God, help us together to be that church that we live these things out loud and it makes an impact in the lives of people around us. Jesus, we love you and we thank you. And we pray all these things in your name. Amen.